Thank you for joining us for the Lessons from First Naz podcast. So you know who this is. Most of you know who this is. Yeah, that's Root Worthy. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. This is, this is our friend, our sister, our, our, our daughter to some of us. Yeah. Uh, Brooke Thomas. Brooke grew up in this church. You are the ones who discipled her. You're the ones who got the guardrails around her past where mom and dad could reach. You're the ones who taught the Sunday school classes. You're the ones who, who showed up as sponsors for the trips. You're the ones who lived out your faith believably as she was watching. And as a result, she took seriously all those things that mom and dad said to her, all those things that her pastor said to her over the years. And she has taken very seriously the thing that the Holy Spirit keeps saying to her, keeps saying to all of us, who will go for us? Will you? And every time he asks Brooke, she keeps saying, yes, send me. And so she's... uh, She's gone to the mission, there's only one, remember, teaching school down in the Treasure Valley because mm-hmm. she said yes to God. Mm-hmm. She was working in the ministry at college church there because God called and you said yes. Mm-hmm. She left all those things, the career, the, the, the network, all of that, because God one day spoke to her about giving those things up and going so that somebody else could have a chance to be in the kingdom. So she planned this great big, great big um, financing plan and speaking uh, schedule to get ready to move to... Chile. Chile. Sorry. And then she didn't go to Chile because God interrupted when somebody else had to back out. Mm -hmm. He needed somebody who would go and he tapped Brooke on the shoulder and he said, will you? And she said, yes. So she ended up in Cordoba, Argentina. And as we were all, you know, connecting with her and praying for her and looking forward to the day that she'd come back stateside. Well, I guess that's probably what you're going to tell us about from well, here. Well, I mean. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All I know is that each step along the way, you keep saying yes. And the Spirit keeps calling. And he wants to do that with more than just you. Why don't we say one more yes to the Holy Spirit before you get started today? Yes, that you'll receive uh, the divine unction that it takes to preach. Yes, that you'll be obedient to his leading. And yes, we would love for him to speak through you. Mm -hmm. So Lord, we bring our sister to you now. The life that she is living is a beautiful testimony to your power. It's a beautiful testimony to us about what we might be able to do if we said yes to you. So we'll pray even before Brooke gets through the message, before she gets to the part where she asks us to respond in prayer. We will pray together, Lord, I'll go where you send me, or I will stay where you keep me but I belong to you. And my answer is yes, no matter what you say. Now we ask that your Holy Spirit, who lives in Brooke's heart very clearly, would come upon her in power, that she might rightly divide the word of truth. And as surely as your Spirit speaks through her, we pray that your Spirit would speak to us. Let him who has ears to hear Hear what the Spirit says to the church today. Amen. Why don't you welcome Brooke, please? Thank you. Good morning. Um, Today is Pentecost Sunday, which we've already seen. Perfect. Thank you. Um, One of the ways the Holy Spirit is just so good to us and connects us and is speaking some of the very same things to our hearts without us knowing it or having a chance to talk to other people about it. Um, But this uh, Pastor Cliff's introduction is exactly what we want to be talking about today, about God's calling, God's promise, God's vision for our lives. Hi, Jesse. How are you? (laughs) Good. Um, 
I, as Pastor Cliff mentioned, um, this has been a long journey that started here and lived here for a long time um, as far as God's calling in and plan for my life um, and ended up in Argentina, in Cordoba. I just want to review a little bit about what I'm doing and who I'm doing it with. I work for an organization called Extreme Nazarene um, that partners with the Nazarene Church to plant Nazarene churches. So we send young Nazarene people, we train them on the mission field, they plant churches within Nazarene districts with a Nazarene superintendent, um, district superintendent, and have all the support um, that we provide to our churches here in the States. They receive on the field. Um, We work right now in South America, in Spanish-speaking countries. This was our first church plant in Argentina, um, so we had a lot to learn (laughs) as we got there and, and started figuring out um, the culture and, and how the city and how the country works. Um, but we went, actually, I think I have a picture of the city, which is next. The city looks like this. It is a city. We plant churches in urban areas. Um, and the next picture is our team. We send large teams, about 14 people, uh, to a city for two years. The, all that we're doing is starting a brand new baby church in that city for two years. Uh, we do discipling, mentorship. Uh, Our goal is at the end of two years to be able to leave a healthy church that has leaders that are mentoring and discipling other new Christians. Uh, This is a team that we had in Cordoba. Uh, So you see a blend of of skin colors. (laughs) Uh, We have half our teams are from the states, half the team is from the country that we're planting in. Uh, So that includes the missionaries. We had four Argentine missionaries partnered with four North American missionaries. Uh, We have a a team leader family that lives with the missionaries to help provide any of their needs. They need kind of like house parents that lives with the missionaries and then a pastoral family from the country that stays there and continues pastoring the church after the missionaries leave. We arrived in Argentina two years and one week ago. We left six weeks ago, and our pastors are still there. They have a church of about 70 people. Most of them are, have been Christians for less than a year. They have about 15 leaders that are leading small groups, leading ministry areas. A lot of them have been Christians for less than a year. So uh, we ask your prayers for them. Um, if I cry at all this morning, it's because part of my heart's still there in Argentina, and we're working on that. God's working on that with me, uh, getting you ready to, to be here with you guys and send me somewhere new. So um, while we were in Argentina, I think the next picture should be these guys. I love these guys. Look at those faces. Uh, these are um, a large portion of my disciples. My work partner is Ashley. So she's on the far left. And these are our spiritual babies that we <laughs> walked with for the last uh, two years and lived life with them, studied the scriptures with them, prayed with them um, through a whole lot of hardship and a lot of victories and um, was the best memory, the best part. If you ask me anything, what was the best of your experience? It's these, these faces right here. Uh, I think last time I was here, I was talking about Sophia, and I, that was in August. Sophia, we had been friends with her. Nope, sorry, not quite. Uh, Sophia, we'd been working on a friendship with her for about six months. God finally broke in on her heart, and it was just this domino effect of she accepted Christ. She started walking with Christ, started her relationship with God, was coming to the church, brought boyfriend, brought younger brother, brought mom. And I think that's where I left you in August. So since then, we've uh, that's her mom in the very, very center who's now helping lead this small group now that I'm not leading it anymore, um, with Jolanda on her right. And her husband is in blue in the very front, who also accepted Christ. I think after I must have gone back to Argentina, and it was like the next month, um, her, since we left, so in the past six weeks, her brother started attending the church. It's just this continued story of God's grace and God's goodness. Um, but this morning, I want to talk a little bit about Jorge, who is on, next to Ashley. So he's the second one in on the left. Um, we, well, Jorge's from... 
we were in the city of Cordoba. He's from like the outskirts of Cordoba, so from kind of the countryside, uh, an area of the state called Santiago. Uh, and it's a beautiful place with beautiful people. I think I've only met three or four of them, but they all kind of have the same manner to them of just being really kind and like the personification of just like chill, which not all Argentines are chill. They're very Italian, very cop-blooded, and these guys are just kind of a breath of fresh air <laughs> for a missionary. Uh, and the he lived most of his life there with his family. Um, but one of the negative side sidequences, that's not what I'm trying to say, consequences of being super chill if you don't have God is that that chill come, becomes emptiness, becomes sadness, becomes depression. Uh, and that was a struggle in Jorge's life for the great majority of his 40 years on this planet. Um, And he got to the point where he just had nothing going for him, didn't have a lot of family left, and decided he's going to move to a big city, look for a new job. He had a background in construction. He loved cooking. Certainly there's something in the city. And moved uh, to just the very, very downtown of Cordoba, had been living there about six months, and still was completely alone, no job, no hope, um, just sinking further and further into this depression. And a little over a year ago, um, by (laughs) one of the many, many miracles, um, a student from Olivet Nazarene University was walking by his street and handed him one of these flyers that is... It's not that pretty. I designed it, and it just kind of tears at my heart a little bit. And he just saw this, and we handed out 10,000 of these flyers. And he just looked at that, and one of the very small words on the very top there, Esperanza para Córdoba, hope for Córdoba. And just hope, that's all it took, was the word hope on a piece of paper. And he was one of a handful of people out of those 10,000 who came to this event that we held a year ago. Um, And a lot of the people, we had been doing this publicity for a week. We had this team from Olivet. We were so excited. We had the circus coming. We had this great pastor from Columbia. It was going to be this big thing. And it was just the coldest, coldest day, um, the very beginning of winter. And just no one left their houses. No one came. <laughs> um, we had our church people. Um, we had our church probably was about eight months old at that point. So we had some of our church people, some of their friends, a couple people who we had met during this publicity, but there were people who we had a relationship with. We knew they were coming. And then this other guy just kind of wanders in, sits at the back, quiet. He sat, watched the circus. And then we did this worship set, and Holy Spirit started doing its work. And the preacher preached and started again talking about this hope, this just completely foreign concept to this man who had nothing. And at the end of the sermon, uh, the pastor invited, you know, if you're a guest, if you're new, come up front. We'd love to pray with you. Um, which there's no way Jorge would ever walk up to the front of any church. Uh, and I'm like, have my clipboard at the back. I'm like in charge of the logistics. I'm just like praying as hard as I can that everything goes right. So I'm like, my brain's somewhere else. I'm praying for these people, praying for the sermon, but I'm also the like 100 details that need to be, make sure we happen as we're closing out this event. And I just see... And so one of our church leaders, who had probably been attending church for about three months, walk over to this man who I didn't know, put his hand on his back, whisper something in his ear, and just push him to the front. <laughs> was exactly what Jorge needed. Just someone at his back pushing him to the front. And he walked up to the front. The pastor prayed over them. And then, or the preacher, um, Pastor Fernay, prayed over them and asked them, if you would move to the side, someone from the church will come talk with you. And now, if anyone else would like prayer, you can come up and I'll pray with you at this time. 
everyone comes up to the front. We have these like couple of new people off to the side who are a little lost. So I'm racing up there trying to make sure that someone's there from the church to talk with these new people as pastor's praying over everyone else, which was gorgeous. It was beautiful just to see everyone receiving from God's grace and peace and love and whatever they needed at that moment. Um, But I walked up and everyone kind of was talking with someone except Jorge was standing there frightened. Um, This was probably the opposite of where he thought he might find himself on a Saturday night. And so I just walked up to him, introduced myself. Uh, So we're so glad you're here. So glad you came. Um, And, you know, is there any way I can pray for you? Um, Can I get your phone number? We'd love to stay in contact with you. And he's processing. He's like, I am so sorry. And I'm like, oh no, what just happened? And he said, I'm sorry, I came in here and some other girl asked me for my phone number and I lied to her. I told her I don't have a phone because I didn't want her to bother me. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> but I do have a phone and I want to give you my phone number and I want you to call me because I want to come back to this church. Like, all right. So got his phone number, called him the next day, invited him to Bible study. And he came and he came to church on Sunday. And he came to Bible study, and he came to church on Sunday. And um, he was part of Ashley's My Bible Study, and we just loved having him. We had a couple other men, husbands of our disciples who were there, and it just was a great fit. And we were changing buildings at that time, and so he still was unemployed and very available to come help us in the church with moving, with um, fixing up stuff that we needed fixed. And probably about three months went by, and he was slowly starting to kind of open up and um, was just really uncertain of, of himself and of, of his understanding, but just loved reading the Bible, loved learning, loved absorbing. But we weren't seeing a whole lot of like output yet, but you know, He's been a Christian for three months, so we'll give him a break. And um, one time we were having a team meeting, and Pastor, Pastor Junior, pastor of our church, um, asked Ashley and me, like, what's going on with Jorge? What do you guys, what do you guys think about Jorge? We're like, we're so excited. He's so committed. He's still here. <laughs> he's coming. <laughs> um, and he's just great. And he's like, well, what do you think of asking him to be part of our, our leadership team at the church? Like, well, you know, eventually, maybe, it's been three months, he hasn't even been to, we have these encounters, these uh, retreats, where they come, they, it's much more intense of just going through the gospel and all the truths of God, and it's an incredible experience, and then there's classes after that for discipleship. Like, he's not, he hasn't gone yet, he's not in discipleship classes, you know, maybe, eventually. And pastor's like, I don't know, I think... I think we want to get him on sooner than later. I don't think we want to wait any longer. Like, all right, well, you can ask him. <laughs> and that's um, God's vision and how God sees our lives is just so different from how we see our lives. And sometimes we need that push in the back. Sometimes we need that voice speaking into our lives for us to really see it. So pastor asked Jorge into his office and um, I think it was about a week before he was supposed to go to one of these encounters. And he sits down with him, says, you know, Jorge, we're so proud of you. We're so glad you're a part of our church. Um, and we have this, you know, we have this team of leaders who, who help us make decisions, who help run ministries, and we'd love for you to be a part of that team. And in all of his gentleness and kindness and chillness, of being the Santiago person, just melted away. I wasn't in the room, heard the story a lot, melted away. He was angry with Pastor. He was not impressed. He said, how can you call yourself a man of God if you think that I can be a leader in your church? You have no part in God if you think that I can be a leader in this church. Was like physically angry because he had been meditating for so long on the lies of Satan. He could not see, even when someone was standing in front of him saying, this is the potential that the Lord sees in you, he couldn't see it. And he was angry at the truth. 
He said, Pastor, you don't know me, but, but God knows me. God would never ask me to be a leader of this church because God knows that my parents have committed suicide, my sister has committed suicide, I've tried many times unsuccessfully to commit suicide. I want to kill myself right now. I have no, no goodness of God in me. I've been coming to this church and I love what I'm hearing, but it's not affecting me. It's not healing what I have inside me. I'm just too far gone. I'm just from generations of people cursed with this, and there's nothing that you can do to change it. Pastor said, I hear you. I want you to come to this encounter next weekend. I want you to just come. Just come and listen and be ready for what God's going to tell you. Can you do that? Okay. He came to the encounter. And again, back to his normal, happy self, happy self on the outside. And as the first day went on, he was, he was taking notes, he was listening, and I got to give one of the lessons midway through the first day about self-esteem about you are created in God's image, about you are special. And if you've read Max Licato's You Are Special, that's what we read. <laughs> and that's what Jorge in Argentina needed to hear, that Punchinello gets saved, that Punchinello gets to meet God. It's this cute little story about um, the lies that we accept from other people, about how much we're worth, about who we are, and about how God wants to strip all that away. Uh, that was one of many talks on, on God's love, on forgiveness, on healing of hurts. And at the end of the first day, uh, we end with this prodigal son celebration of coming home, of being accepted by God. And uh, we turn off all the lights, we crank the music, we've got a disco ball going, and we're just running and screaming and celebrating the goodness of God. And Jorge was like leading the like bunny hop trail of like dancing through <laughs> the sanctuary, laughing harder than I've ever seen him and more joyful than I'd ever seen him. Because God opened his eyes. Because he came, he did his part, he showed up, he said, I've, I'm willing to see what you have for me, God. And God opened his eyes to see who he really was in God. Um, in Jorge's story, which is so similar in ways, um, to I think all of our stories, of when we get confronted by God's vision and God's promises, we receive these promises of hope. We see that. We know that's something that God gives us. And we have an, a choice of accepting it or of explaining to God all the reasons why I shouldn't feel hopeful of why I can't receive this hope. Um, this was my experience over and over again as Cliff was explaining all the different times that God has asked me to do something else. Sometimes things that I wanted to do, sometimes things that I didn't want to do. And that's always our gut instinct as humans is to say, but this is why I can't. And this is why clearly you don't actually want me to do this. You might think you do, but you don't really want me to do this because of this reason. Um, when last October, um, so I had just come here again, came here in August, told you all of how excited I was, how great everything was going, it'll be over in like six months and I'll come back and be teaching and be in Idaho and it'll be wonderful, can't wait to see you all again, um, so hello, I'm not staying, <laughs> um, then in October, um, my bosses from, from Extreme came and said, we have another option for you to consider. And started talking about some of the same things that Pastor Cliff was talking about this morning, about who we are as a church, 
what we stand for, what we believe in. We are a missional church, that we are a global church, and that we want to send people out with the good news to the nations to preach God's hope. And um, I think there's a map. Oh, no, I think. Can we skip to the map of South America? Okay. There's a map of South America that you're just going to picture in your mind. And in that map are a whole lot of countries where they speak Spanish. And we have planted a lot of churches in those countries. In um, Ecuador, Peru, Chile, Paraguay, Argentina. We are planting churches this year in Venezuela. We hope to, in the near, near, near future, plant a church in Colombia. And we kind of have this rhythm down now. (laughs) It took us a while to get here, but we're here. We have this model. It works great. We love it. We love the discipleship. We love the spiritual disciplines. We love um, how it enables local people to run their church and how it's adapted to the different cultures we've gone to. We have this beautiful training center in Quito, Ecuador, um, where teams can come, where the North Americans learn Spanish. It's right next to a seminary. And... Um, we have this great church in Columbia that we partner with who trains our teams to plant churches. Um, but if you're thinking about this in your head, of all those little countries, there's one other really, really, really big country in South America where they don't speak Spanish, so they can't come to our training centers and learn Spanish because we'd be sending Spanish teachers to Brazil, and that wouldn't work at all. So we really want to start doing work in Brazil because the Nazarene church, the Christian church, in Brazil, is just exploding. It's growing so fast. And they have young people like me (laughs) who are called to do missions, like so many of you who are called to do missions, who are called to go out and preach the word. And they're doing that in their country, but as a Nazarene church, we want to send them. We want to send them to Madagascar, (laughs) to China. We want to send them to wherever they want to go to preach the word, to wherever they're called to go. We have this great sending model, and we want to go bring it to Brazil. We want to start planning churches there. We want to open an office there. Um, We want to make extreme known to them. We want to get to know their culture, their churches, with this future view of sending their young people and our church plants to other countries. Uh, We are starting with a church plant in Brazil um, for that very reason of starting a training center, starting an office, and showing them what our model looks like. Also, you know, we're going to plant a church in Brazil, and there's going to be people like Jorge there who need to have this church in Brazil. That's our main goal. Um, and I'm, this is, you know, my bosses are telling me all this, all this wonderful stuff. Well, that sounds great. Can't wait to see what you guys are going to do with that. That sounds like great vision from God, right? That's God's vision of how he sees his church working because it's beautiful and it's impossible and it's way too big for anyone to do. Um, And so they asked me to go do it. And I said, you know, God, these are all the reasons why that's a bad idea. (laughs) And there were a lot of them. Um, And just like Jorge saying, you, are, you do not even know how wrong you are. But I wasn't saying it to pastor. I was saying it to God, which is not a good idea. Um, you want to open your Bible? Isaiah 30. Isaiah 30. Isaiah 30 is beautiful. Isaiah 30 is... Um, It's the words of the prophet Isaiah to King Hezekiah. And King Hezekiah was in a similar situation where he saw utter ruin around him on a scale that, that God's people hadn't seen in a very long time. And he knew that ruin was headed his direction. He was a man of God. So I would imagine when he heard the Amalekites are headed your way next, his first thought was, I should pray. And his second thought was, There's just no time to pray. We need to get back up here as soon as possible. 
So he sent messengers down to Egypt to send in reinforcements to help Judah, God's people, who God had given a promise, a promise of protection. And in that moment, the king showed his rebellion of, I know how big a mess God can save us from, and this one's too big. So we're going to get some help from somewhere else. These are the words of Isaiah to Hezekiah. And chapter 30, I'm going to read from verse 1 all the way to verse 11. And I'm just now realizing I might have a different version than you have. I'm reading from the NASB. So, you know, if you just want to listen, you can just listen. Woe to the rebellious children, declares the Lord, who execute a plan but not mine, and make an alliance but not of my spirit, in order to add sin to sin who proceed down to Egypt without consulting me to take refuge in the safety of Pharaoh and to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore, the safety of Pharaoh will be your shame and the shelter in the shadow of Egypt your humiliation. For their princes are at zone and their ambassadors arrive at Hanes. Everyone will be ashamed because of a people who cannot profit them, who are not for help or profit, but for shame and also for reproach. Through a land of distress and anguish, From where come lioness and lion, viper and flying serpent, they carry their riches on the backs of young donkeys and their treasures on camel's humps to a people who cannot profit them, even Egypt, whose help is vain and empty. Therefore I have called her Rahab, who has been exterminated. Now go, write it on a tablet before them and inscribe it on a scroll, that it may serve in the time to come as a witness forever. For this is a rebellious people, false sons, sons who refuse to listen to the instruction of the Lord, who say to the seers, you must not see visions. And to the prophets, you must not prophesy to us what is right. Speak to us pleasant words. Prophesy illusions. Get out of the way. Turn aside from the path. Let us hear no more about the Holy One of Israel. This is where we end up when we don't see our lives the way God sees them. When we don't live in God's vision. When we start our day every day in prayer, asking God, open my eyes to see my situations, to see my family, to see my future the way you see it. When we spend time in God's word and say, God, what are your promises? What are you promising to me? What can I depend on you for and only you? If we stray from that, we end up in this place where we think we're taken care of. We think we have some sort of security or we have some sort of plan. Or we don't and we're just complacent of this will never be fixed. This is just who I am. This is just how life is. When that's not what God's promise is for us and that's not how he sees us or our lives. So when we find ourselves in a place like I was, saying to the prophets in my lives, in my life, my bosses, saying, this is what we think God might have for your future. And I said, don't talk to me about that. Don't speak to me pleasant words. I don't want to hear about that. That's a sign of we're not (laughs) where we're supposed to be with God. And that evidence that we provide of, but God, I need to go back to Idaho. I need to go share with them what I've learned. I need to go take care of my brothers, which I think has been the evidence I've shown to God for the past 20 years. Every time he tells me to go somewhere else, but God, they need me. Look at them, they're a mess. (laughs) And every time he says, no, I'm taking care of them. And if you've watched them over the past 20 years, he is taking care of them. And every time I think he's not, but every time he really, really, really is. Because that's the promise is that he'll take care of our families, that he'll transform the hardest of hearts, that he'll restore the most broken of relationships, that he has forgiveness in the impossible, impossible pain. What he wants from us is for us to see things the way he sees them. This is pretty harsh words from Isaiah of the consequences because God is just but he doesn't wait very many verses to get into God is grace, God is refuge, God is still our hope and protection. If you jump ahead to verse 18, 
Therefore, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He waits on high to have compassion on you, for the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are those who long for him. O people in Zion, inhabitant in Jerusalem, you will weep no longer. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. Although the Lord has given you bread of privation and water of oppression, he, your teacher, will no longer hide himself. But your eyes will behold your teacher. You will see with his vision. Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it whenever you turn to the right or to the left. And you will defile your graven images overlaid with silver and your molten images plated with gold. You will scatter them as an impure thing and say to them, be gone. You will destroy your idols in your life, your idols in your heart, because you won't want them anymore because God's goodness has changed your heart and the desires of your heart and given you his desires and his vision for your future. So, <laughs> um, in the time when I was praying over Brazil, God worked a lot of miracles in our, in our family, in, in my heart and the, the hearts of my parents of saying, okay, <laughs> this one looks a little bit more serious, <laughs> a little bit more long-term <laughs> than the other trips have been, um, but we're all on the same page, and we sometimes joke about not being on the same page and not being happy, but we really, really are. Yes. <laughs> Um, because God has made it very clear to us that this isn't just Brooke's side adventure, that this is something that he wants to do with our whole family, that he's bringing us all along on this journey from a distance. My parents aren't going with me to Brazil. Sorry if that came off confusing. Um, But I think we're all a little bit more on board this time, a little bit more committed. The... Isaiah's words to Hezekiah, he challenges him to be still, to just wait on God. Um, In verse 15, he says, In repentance and rest you will be saved. In quietness and trust is your strength. When we were taking communion this morning. I remembered, I think I was in high school. I was in high school. My dad and I went down to NNU for something, some sort of seminar. And we talked a lot about communion. And I think for, for whatever reason, we had communion like six different times over the weekend, just talking about all the spiritual implications of what communion is. And what I really came away with from that experience was when you look at the bread and the wine, this is Jesus saying, this is my part that I've done for you. And it was a big part. <laughs> and you taking this is you agreeing that I'll do my part. I'll accept your forgiveness. I'll give you my heart. I'll seek your vision. Um, and as I was praying over this morning, um, something I really, I really needed to hear of just examining all those parts of your heart and asking God in repentance and rest and quietness and trust, what do you see that I'm not seeing? What do you see in my future that I, I haven't even thought of yet? What do you want me to do to participate in this? I'm doing it from a place of rest because I know that I can't fix it. I can't make it happen. I can't control it. But if it's something that God is breathing into me, that's something I want to be living in. Um, I think one of the other pictures I had, oh, thank you. Yeah, can you go back like two pictures? This is the result of our yes of my yes, of pastor's yes, of Enzo's yes, is Jorge gets to say his yes and gets to be baptized, and we get to watch and praise God. 
Sorry, that's just, I love that picture. Okay, go ahead and go forward. <laughs> um, to the map, Bra- sorry, the map, Brasilia is the red star. Um, that's where I'm going to be living this year. And I am moving there sometime this summer to learn Portuguese, to open a training facility, to start working with the local pastor who uses a model similar to ours. Um, but I'll be like a leader in his church, continue to make disciples. Um, they've made some tweaks to their model. And so we're going to be kind of figuring out better what their model is. Because when a team of these four people on the next picture are arriving in October, um, these are our new missionaries for this first Brazilian team. Uh, they are fundraising in Boise and Indiana and getting ready to come to Brazil in October. They'll be doing their training with me, with this um, local pastor that we've teamed up with, um, with the seminary, with Portuguese school. They'll be with me for about four months, doing exactly what I did (laughs) in Ecuador and Colombia. Then we're sending them off to Annapolis to plant a church. Uh, I will continue living in Brazil, mentoring them, um, and starting building up our office in recruiting, speaking at other churches, um, to launch a second team as soon as we can after we see how this team goes. Um, you can be praying for more people to come work in this office with me because right now it's just me. So it'll need to be more than just me very, very soon. But um, also, these are four faces. In, at General Assembly, we are interviewing two more potential missionaries Um, two different families that could potentially be their team leaders. In July, we're interviewing all of the Brazilian missionaries and Brazilian pastors so that by the end of July, this team will be a whole group of 14 people like we sent to Cordoba and we'll be sending them to Brazil. Um, This is my yes that comes after thousands of your guys' yeses to God um, over the span of my childhood and looking at some of you even before I was born and your influence on my parents' lives and how all of that has come together. And um, so thank you for that. (laughs) Um, We're going to have a time of prayer. I forgot to pass these out. And if I could have KJ and Max. Um... KJ's the Thomas helper today. Our, they're going to bring around these cards to you. These are the general response cards that we use in extremes. They, ha- they ask for too much information. Don't fill this all out. It asks for your credit card information. Don't give me your credit card information. I don't need that responsibility. Um, I've touched on a lot of things this morning. If there's anything that I said that didn't make sense or any story that I started that I didn't finish or anything that I mentioned that you want to learn more about, um, if you could just give me your name and phone number, I'd love to give you a call tomorrow (laughs) and uh, find a time to meet with you and just continue. That first story that had about 12 people in it, each one of them has a story just like Jorge's and it's beautiful and I love talking about them. Um, And the... Next part is go. If you are, sorry, we don't need that slide, but thank you. Um, If you are, let's see, if you're 18 or older, 18 to, I'm not sure what the top end is. For the 40 days, this 40 days um, under the go section is a 40-day experience. If you think you are called to missions, but you're not ready for that two-year thing yet, you want to go on a 40-day thing and just figure out what maybe God's calling you to, it's a great opportunity um, for young adults who might be interested in being a missionary. The two years is also young adults 18 to 30 um, is about, about the range that we send our missionaries in. If you're in that range or older... All right? Yeah. I got more. Um, if you're in that range or older and you're married and you'd like to be team leaders or you're interested in information about team leaders or what does that look like? This is, these are the house parents that live with the missionaries for two years that really mentor the missionaries, disciple the missionaries so that they can do their job and disciple other people. We're looking for people to fill that role. If you are interested in more information about short term, you can check the two weeks box. You can leave all those blank. 
but just if you want more information, check one of those. Then at the bottom is give. This is give to, well, I guess you could give to anything, but what I'm asking you to do is just give to me. (laughs) This would be to help fund my living expenses while I'm in Brazil for the next two plus years. Um, It's a two-year contract that will be renewed as many times as God asked me to. Um, I'm looking for uh, one-time gifts to help me buy a plane ticket, monthly support to help me buy food every month. Um, And I'm about 50% toward my goal, which is bigger than I thought it was going to be before I got here. So God's already doing miracles. We need a few more. Um, But it's really built on a rather large army of people giving uh, what they can monthly and praying for this and through this is what makes this makes this happen. So thank you for your support and your yes to this. Um, I know you want to pray for offering. I'm going to pray first and then you want to pray for offering. So you can have a chance to fill this out real quick. And I'm going to pray for us and then we'll pray again because we just like praying. Um, God, we just thank you for this moment together, for this, for how you've revealed your word to us, Lord, this ancient, more than ancient text that just speaks and cuts directly to our hearts, Lord. We pray that you would give us your vision, help us to see our, our family members, our, our plans, our futures with your eyes, God, and Guide us with that voice behind us saying to the left or to the right in a way that we can really hear you and really understand that this is your vision, Lord. Uh, We pray that we would, as we go out from here today and into our week, that we would see our coworkers with your eyes, that we would see um, the waiters that are going to serve us lunch with your eyes, God, that we would just be looking for all of those opportunities where you are asking us to Speak your love and your hope into other people's lives, Lord. Um, We pray that you would reveal those tasks that seem too huge and impossible to us of forgiveness, of restoration. Um, Your promises, Lord, that those would be clear and huge and unavoidable in our lives, Lord, Um, and that we would trust on you for those. Um, In your name we pray. Amen. Wow. Wow. I, I, I don't know... I don't have a better word for what's happening in my heart in response to hearing the story about how a regular old Lewiston, Idaho girl (laughs) gets used by God to go around the world to multiply churches in the kingdom of God. Nobody writes that that movie. And then a girl from Idaho, (laughs) they, they they don't write the scripts like that. But God does. He has this this incredible, aha, surprise script that he writes again and again and again because every one of us sees ourselves as ordinary. And God has these extraordinarily big dreams that he dreams about us and for us. I'm telling you as sure as I know anything that God is not done calling people from this church to go and sell their lives out. Just sell their lives out to him. I know he's not done with that. Whatever else is true of this church, this is a church from whom God is going to continue to call people and propel them into the gospel enterprise all the way around the world. Every single week when we gather here, we stop and listen for his voice. We invite his spirit to speak to us. Every single week when we're here, we're discipling little ones and telling them the stories of of the scriptures and of the people who've lived out the implications of the scriptures. Every single week when we gather here, we receive offerings by which this church takes care of the mission here locally and by which we send teams like the one that's going to be led by, by Dick over to Lewistown, Montana, and we take offerings by which we support the work in other parts of the world, like where Brooke is going. And every single week, the Spirit of God is at work among us, talking, moving, 
arranging circumstances in our lives so that when the big ask comes, we can hear it plainly and be ready to say yes. So the ushers are going to come in a moment. Worship team's coming right now. We're going to sing a song that you, that you know if you've been around here much. And um, it's a song of invitation. It's a song in which you are invited to give like we do every single week to, uh, to this local church for its participation here locally and, and in the, the global mission. Uh, if you want to, in addition to that giving, you want to support Brooke in her work, if you just in any way indicate on there, this is for Brooke, we'll make sure that it gets to Brooke. Guys, I'm going to ask those of you who are, are taking the offering, make sure you get those cards pulled out so that we can get those to her before she leaves today so she can make those uh, follow-up calls tomorrow, okay? But the altar is also open if you want to... Consider an invitation, you want, to, you want to offer an invitation to God's Holy Spirit to speak to you, understanding he may make the big ask. But how about this? If you're not, you're not pledging yourself to go do anything, what if we just saw the altar today as a place for those who'd be willing to listen in case God had something to ask? If you'd just be willing to listen, then while the worship team comes, well, the rest of the congregation gives tithes and offerings. Um, why don't you do that and see what God says? Brooke already told us how to answer. If my answer is no, God, my, heart, my heart's in the wrong place. If my answer is here's a list of excuses, God, my heart's in the wrong place. But if, if my answer is I'm listening, then my heart's in the right place and who knows what God's going to do. But it'll be beautiful, it'll be good, and it'll be of his spirit. And the result is... What we saw up there, Jorge. Which I forgot. I have it like marked. Sorry, and I forgot it. Um, this speaking of just that, real quick. Um, when I left, I think it was my last Sunday. Um, gosh, now I'm gonna find. Where's Matthew? Goodness. Um, Jorge gave me a letter, just a goodbye, which most of them did, and it was super sweet. And got down to the very bottom and just started crying because that's what happens. Because the bottom it just said Matthew 13, 8. Which is probably not a memory verse you'd ever memorize. It's so random. I don't know how he found this, but apparently spoke to him. Matthew 13, 8, which is, And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop. Some of a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And that's what we're all about. So, thank you.